0: We have Emily Block joining us. She is a physician's assistant in uh, New York City, originally from Panora, Iowa, actually used to live uh, next door to me. Her family still does. Um, so yeah, she lives in New York City. She graduated from St. Ambrose College uh, with her degree in, uh, master's in uh, physician assistant, right? Or yep. studies, studies? Yeah. Okay. She is also a a blogger and a wedding photographer in times when uh, things are not so socially distant. So, thanks, Emily, for joining today. It's good to see you. Yeah, of (laughs) course. If you could be here. (laughs) <laughs> All right. Well, if you could maybe start with a little bit of a backstory. I'm sorry, I gave a little bit of, uh gave a little bit away there as far as where you're from and everything, but yeah. uh, maybe a little bit of your backstory and what got you involved in the healthcare field uh, and kind of what led you down the career path that you're in today.
1: Yeah, so um, like you said, I'm from Penora, Iowa. I graduated high school there in 2012. Um, Went to college and majored in biology, not really knowing what part of the healthcare field I wanted to go into, but kind of having an idea um, that I wanted to go into healthcare. So I did a couple of internships in college, which were great experiences and kind of got a sampler platter, if you will, of like all the different healthcare professions. And I figured out that physician assistant would be the best fit for me and the lifestyle that I wanted So I ended up taking a year off after college to get some patient care experience, which a lot of PA schools require, uh, just that you have some experience working with patients in some capacity. And then I went through the long, long arduous process of applying through PA schools and going on interviews and eventually got accepted at St. Ambrose. So I uh, matriculated there in 2017, I believe. Um, and it was a 29-month program. I just graduated this December of 2019, and then I started my job in May of 2020.
0: Okay, so let's talk about that a little bit. So you moved from Panora, Iowa to New York City in May of 2020, so. uh, Like the same thing, yeah, (laughs) not that much of a difference. Not a global pandemic or anything, (laughs) and I think I think, you know, at the very start of it in March, um, New York City was a, a major hotspot for the virus. So what were your feelings then? Like what was going through your head as you were getting on an airplane? And, and not only that, joining, you know, going into the healthcare field too.
1: Yeah, so, um, well, first of all, I was nervous that I wouldn't have a job because I know that a lot of companies at that point were going on hiring freezes and a lot of people that I graduated with were having a lot of difficulty finding positions Um, but everything did work out because they had already had like the funding for my position and stuff through NYU. And so it just took them a little bit longer to process my paperwork than it normally would have because they were doing so much emergency credentialing for people that were actually working on the front lines. Um, in my specialty, we didn't see it as much just because I work in intensive care, um, for neonates. So it's. Patient, it's babies that have never gone home and left the hospital. They don't have the chance to become exposed to the virus and everything like that. So the most that I had to deal with it was just going to like deliveries where moms were COVID positive. Um, but luckily, knock on wood, um, my unit hasn't really seen a ton of COVID. I do know that it exists in other parts of the hospital and we hear from like the respiratory team and stuff, um, like their anecdotes and stories about how scary it is which was kind of intimidating at first but uh we always had like proper equipment and everything so i never felt at risk in that sense um honestly i felt more at risk if i was like standing in line to go get groceries or something but uh been healthy so far so (laughs) grateful for that good Uh, but yeah, it was a little bit nerve-wracking coming out here in the middle, all of it, just because there was so much unknown, and we didn't know how long everything was going to last. And at that point, I don't even think anyone really knew how it was spreading. But New York kind of figured it out. Um, you know, April and May, they, they kind of noticed that when everyone started wearing the mask and they shut down, you know, in-person contact with schools and workplaces that were non-essential, the numbers really started going down. So um, I think the spread here is at less than, like... per day or something. Um, So it's definitely decreasing. Uh, Now that our rates are so low, we just don't let anyone else in.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that makes sense. That's smart, right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Especially especially not us, right? (laughs) Iowa. It's annoying,
1: but I I guess I can understand why they're doing it.
0: Yes, yep. Uh, So what made you decide to get into neonatal intensive care?
1: So uh, when I took my gap year between PA school and undergrad, I landed in a NICU just by chance. I was applying to a bunch of patient care tech jobs at the University of Iowa, um, just to get some more healthcare experience in a hospital setting. And the NICU was one of the places that had openings. So I applied and I started training there. Um, and I really liked the NICU and I liked you know, everyone that I worked with. So I was a little biased in that sense, but I still wasn't sure that it was what I wanted to do um, like as a career. Uh, and then I went to PA school, and during PA school, you do rotations in a ton of different specialties from like family medicine to surgery to inpatient medicine in the hospital, and one of my electives actually ended up being NICU, so that was the one that I enjoyed the most, and I decided to um, just like, you know, kind of see what was out there in terms of NICU jobs for PAs, because In the Midwest I had noticed it was mostly nurse practitioners and like specialized nurse practitioners that get their certification in neonatology and as a PA we're just generalists so we just work under the physician um, and we have a scope of practice of the physician that we work under so I was just kind of browsing and I applied to probably like 10 or 15 jobs from like Pennsylvania to New York to North Dakota And I wasn't really expecting to get anything, to be honest, because most of them require you to have some sort of ICU experience since it's so specialized. But um, I guess NYU was willing to train a new provider. So I hopped on a plane and came out here for an interview. And I really enjoyed um, the team. And they seemed like a good um, group to work with. So I was just keeping my fingers crossed. out for the interview and eventually ended up getting hired somehow so here I am
0: yes (laughs) so if you had to pick like one thing in the last four months that stands out as like a very rewarding thing in your career in your current profession what like can you think of one or two things that kind of stand out as kind of the highlight reel so far
1: um I really enjoy going to deliveries when um they get called to deliveries to like, help resuscitate a baby, whether it's a baby that we know we're going to admit or just kind of like something that has happened as the normal delivery progressed that they want um, NICU back up. Um, and just kind of getting to help introduce babies into the world is very rewarding. Um, like from a personal standpoint, I always feel really good about myself when I uh, have successful procedures. <laughs> so <laughs> it's a little bit more selfish, but um, yeah. Sometimes I pat myself on the back. I'm like, hey, yeah, I got that, you know, like arterial line or whatever.
0: <laughs> Nothing big. Nothing big. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's <a> small things. <laughs> How is the stress level with that? Because it sounds like, I mean, you probably are dealing with emergency situations sometimes too, right? Yeah.
1: And it really, it, you never know what you're going to get when you walk in for a shift, um, especially in the NICU, because like last night I went in and I had a great night and you know, we... Like all the providers, we ate supper together while we did our like worksheets and then um, went out to do our rounds and stuff and didn't get called for any deliveries throughout our call shift. So it was a pretty like chill night. But then I've had nights where I go in and, you know, we have to take kids for procedures and we have deliveries on the board that we're waiting for. And then we're doing procedures to admit those deliveries and um, you don't get any sleep at all. So (laughs) it just really depends. but that's kind of what I like about it. It's like keeps it exciting.
0: Yeah. So how long are your shifts then? They um,
1: they're 12 hours. Okay. Okay. Um, right now I can do 24 hour shifts starting in November. So after six months working there. Okay. Yeah. So hopefully you get
0: some sleep during those.
1: <laughs> yeah. So like our call shifts, um, on a good night, we can get like three to four hours, um, just depending on what's going on in the unit. But we all have to be there because there's circumstances where two, you know, two patients will deliver at the same time. and We're having two admissions and that would just be too much for two people. So,
0: yes, and I can see that. So, yeah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> hopefully never three at a time. It right. <laughs> hasn't happened to me yet, but we'll, we'll see. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That it's not something you can uh, just put the brakes on real easily. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's like, oh, we can't really stop it. So <laughs>
0: Uh, Okay, so what is one major risk that you've had to take to get where you're at now?
1: Um, I think there's been like a lot of calculated risks throughout the process of like going to PA school, you know, you go to undergrad and you, you know, go for this four-year degree with the idea of going to grad school, but you don't even know if you'll be admitted into grad school, so you could have this four-year degree that's really useless, um, which, in hindsight, I wish I would have done something other than biology just so I could have like a broader skill set and then just taking the pro- prerequisites that um, were required for PA schools. Um, but it worked out for me, so I can't complain. Um, and then, like, going to PA school is another risk in itself because you know you're paying all this tuition money, and you at the end of the day, if you don't pass your boards, you can't work as a PA. So you go to school for two and a half years and then hopefully you pass the one test at the end that allows you to practice. Um, Which again, I passed, so (laughs) it worked out for me. And then um, just like in terms of big risks, you know, I took a risk coming out here, obviously um, in the middle of a pandemic, um, both with like not really knowing if my job was gonna start in time financially, and you know, with my health, like I didn't know what was gonna happen with coronavirus and how contagious it was gonna be, so. Um, I've been lucky so far, and hopefully, you know, it's part of, you know, skill and a little bit of luck, but uh, I guess if you don't take risks, you're never gonna get very far. <laughs>
0: right, so so when you were explaining all those risks, like, um, through college and applying for PA school, did, like, what was your thought process for that? Did you have a backup plan, or were you just focusing on, the goal and like there is no at this point there is no other option this is the way i'm going or were you like well i could always do this
1: yeah so um in our senior seminar they'd like make you have a backup plan <laughs> and like do all the steps that is required to prepare for that so mine was actually going um to get a masters in nutrition and i applied to like colorado state university and i actually got accepted to that program but at that point I had just decided that I wanted to pursue the PA thing. So I just worked as a nursing assistant um, in hoping that I would get admitted the next cycle. And I guess if I didn't, I probably just would have tried again the next year and then probably reevaluated after that. But <laughs> it works out, I
0: guess. Yeah. So so it sounds like for your school you kind of have to have some sort of idea for a backup plan, but Yeah, Uh, your heart was just kind of in the PA, (laughs) yeah. So, okay, so switching gears a little bit, uh, what is something like unexpected, like as far as a hobby or a passion that you have?
1: Um, well, I have a YouTube channel which, like, always throws people off because they're like, Oh, is it about like being a PA? and I'm like, Nope, it's about like, just being creative, (laughs) and so they're, like, oh, that's so interesting, because usually people that work in science have, like, you know, the, I don't know if it's even the right side or the left side, but, you know, you have the one-shot brain that's, like, analytical, and, you know, you have the people that are creative, but you don't meet a ton of people that have both, so.
0: Yeah, so what, what's the, what's your latest post on your YouTube channel?
1: I think my latest one was, like, I went thrifting in the Upper East Side and I just did like a little tour of like the thrift stores in Upper East Side and like showed what I got. So it's a very like chill 10-minute video. Um, I've done some videos on like my apartment and just um, moving to New York City, so those ones do a little bit better.
0: <laughs> yeah, I feel like um, you're editing. So, like, like I was telling you earlier, but this is, you know, like about the tenth one of these that I've done, and they're pretty. When I edit, it's a, it's pretty clunky. It's nothing to <laughs> But I watch your, I loved your videos. Like when you first moved to New York City, um, and you you, I mean, they're like professional quality. (laughs) Thank you. And everything. So yeah, they're really good. Maybe maybe if you're looking for a part-time job when you're not working (laughs) 24-hour shift, (laughs) you can do some editing for me. Yeah.
1: Well, that's just been like trial and error too. Like I took one video production class in high school, but um, I actually started making some YouTube videos on my gap year between undergrad and PA school. And I used iMovie, which is like Apple's basic like plan um, and just couldn't do as much as I wanted. So I ended up buying the professional version, but I just would YouTube like, how do you get this effect? And then watch the video and then try to like do it. And over time you like develop skills and you develop your style. So,
0: right. Well, and so you've done some wedding videography as well, right? So is that the same kind of software for that?
1: Yep. I use the same software for both.
0: Okay. Okay. And, and photography too. Right. I mean, not the, the software is different, but you do wedding photography as well. Right. Or yeah,
1: I have done a couple of weddings. Um, I try not to like get too far into that part because you know, that could be a little more risky.
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. So, but oh, I wanted to also. I knew there's something else I wanted to touch on. I also wanted to touch on the like the artistic side of things because um, I think you also have like an Etsy shop, or you have in the past. Like I know yeah. I've had you make uh, some different things for me. Yes, herb uh, markers for my garden and uh, jewelry. You've done a ton of jewelry too. I feel like you've done a ton of creative things, almost like, do you feel like you need to have a creative outlet of some sort?
1: I do, because I get bored very easily, and I think that if I just worked all of the time, I would, I just get into the workaholic mode, like, so easily, like, I've worked 60 hours this week, (laughs) which is great for my paycheck, but then, you know, when I finally have a day off, I'm like, oh, that was kind of a lot, Um, so it is good to have, like, a little break and kind of work other parts of my brain, but yeah, I've tried, I mean, and I still do. I still do, like, make jewelry and do painting and stuff like that. Um, I'm always looking for a way to monetize things, so <laughs> I'm like, hey, if I can have fun doing this and make money off of it, that would be the best. Yes. Uh, so I think we just ended up buying so much supplies for, like, the different things I wanted to try. I'm like, well, we have, like, so much left over. I might as well just try to sell it. Um, okay. And- yeah it, like I, I sold a couple I had a pretty good summer with my Etsy shop, shop one year but it just became like too much work like being the shipment fulfillment and like making everything I'm like I'm going to college like <laughs> this is a full-time job
0: well and I haven't you like sold your clothes on like um is what is it thread up or some other
1: yeah so app? um on Poshmark actually when I wasn't working I would like go to thrift stores and like find things that were undervalued like you could find shirts at Goodwill with new with tags and for like four dollars and so I would just buy those and like flip them and sell them to someone like on an app for like a little bit more than I paid for them I never like made a crazy amount of money doing that but yeah. it was nice for because no one tells you when you finish PA school that it's going to take six months to be credentialed to start working and like start making money um so I was, like, grasping at straws during that time, just try, trying to find a way to not have to, like, completely live off of my parents, yeah. <laughs> which yeah. they're probably like, um, you still lived off of us, but, uh, <laughs> Well,
0: during that time, you're still, like, you're still having to do some sort of work stuff, but you're just not getting right need for it, right? So it's not like right. you have a ton of free time, it just means that you're not making money, right?
1: Right, exactly. And studying for boards and everything like that, so... Um, and you know, certifications like starting out as a PA are, you know, our drug certification costs around $750. Um, our board certification, I think costs around $500. So there's a lot of upfront costs, um, that people aren't very upfront about, (laughs) um, just in like the post-grad period. So I would love to see that talked about more, but it it just like, is something that we were kind of underprepared for. Okay. And talking to, like, some of my colleagues, they it was the same for them.
0: Yeah, yeah. When you're going back to, like, when you were talking about, like, um, you know, like, the Etsy shop and the jewelry and that kind of stuff. I feel like you have always had, like, this entrepreneurial spirit. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you just, you craft what you want, kind of, mm-hmm. out of life, I feel like. So you're, like, if if there's something that you really want to do, like, you'll find a way to, like, make that work. And yeah. I feel like you don't put any limits on yourself as far as like, no, that doesn't make sense. Or, you know, that's not a like that. That's not what people would expect you. Like it's whatever right. you want and you kind of just go for it. So I admire that. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. And, um, and a lot of it. Your mom. I love hearing from your mom all of the new ideas that you're working on and all the new things that you're doing. <laughs> She's
1: probably like, I wish one of them would just stick because I... Hey, I've done, I've been pretty consistent with YouTube for a while now, so hopefully I can keep that up and maybe monetize that in the future, but we'll see. It's just a fun hobby for now, so it's not like I'm looking to make too much off of it, and I like having it as a creative outlet, too, just because it's something I don't have to, like, feel forced to do, Um, and, like, having the stable income from, you know, the science aspect of, like, my training and still being able to create in my free time without feeling pressured to like put out product right and content so
0: and think like in 10 years how cool that's going to be to look back and have yeah an of, like the time you moved to new york city mm-hmm. <laughs> that's going to be, be like cool. hey
1: my kids like hey i moved in the middle of the pandemic like <laughs> this is what coronavirus is like everyone wore a mask everywhere and we had to wait three hours in line at trader joe's <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yep, get everyone some popcorn and sit down for. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I know it's really probably weird in New York right now, but what has been like one of your favorite things to do since you've moved there? Obviously, it's very limited as to what you can. Yeah.
1: Um, I really like going to Central Park and just like walking around. Um, I had no idea Central Park was like so big and there's so much to do there um there's like I mean not right now as much but you can do like paddle boats and stuff um and yesterday I went with a friend up to like what's called the ravine and it feels like you're on a hike in the middle of New York City um so that's probably my favorite place to go and just like kind of forget that I'm in the city for a little bit um and then like I love going to Soho and going shopping because they have the best shopping there so okay <laughs> going not a sustainable open? activity, but. <laughs> <laughs> so are the shops open?
0: Like, yeah, yeah they
1: are now. Limited. They opened um, beginning of July.
0: Okay. Okay. Yeah. So a little bit of normalcy then, like. <laughs>
1: yeah. You still have to wear a mask and everything, but it is nice to, like, I was just saying, I would go in the store and be like, oh, it's so nice to, like, see this piece of furniture in person because you look online for so long. I'm like, I have no idea, like, the quality of this. So, once they opened, I finally went in and I was like, okay, I need to order some furniture, <laughs> like, not be sleeping on an air mattress anymore. Uh, but, okay, yeah, so
0: was- talk about the logistics of moving from Iowa. And you could take one, two suitcases to move, like, to yeah. move New York City, right? So, you so just I- had a suitcase on your back. <laughs> or yeah.
1: Like- so, I took two suitcases. Um, and one of them, I took, like, an air mattress and, like, bedding and stuff. And the other suitcase, I took, like, clothes. <laughs> Um, <laughs> and I sublet actually for my first couple of months here, which a lot of people recommend if you're moving to the city without like any connections, um, just so you can like apartment hunt in person. So that was my plan initially. But then once I got here, they weren't showing apartments in person. So everything became virtual anyway. <laughs> but I did end up sublicing for a couple months and then, um, so I was able to like use her like silverware and dinnerware and cook stuff. Um, And then once I finally got my own apartment, I actually came back home that weekend and and got just, like, the basic necessities to be able to, like, cook, and um, I still still was sleeping on an air mattress for probably, like, four months until it got a hole in it and I finally had to
0: cave and buy a bed. (laughs) So next time you move, it's not going to be as easy.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, this was too easy, but... Well, and if I ever want to leave New York, I have really no attachment to material things. So it's easy for me to be like, oh, I'll just like sell that or, you know, donate it. Um, Like, I don't really have attachment to material things. I just like to um, have the experiences. Right. Okay.
0: Is that bothering you not traveling? Because I know you're a big traveler. It really
1: is. Yeah. (laughs) And I've been looking up, there's actually a lot to do in New York State. Um, like upstate there's tons of great hiking and um, in the winter there's skiing and stuff which I'm looking forward to so I'm trying to recruit friends to like go on hikes with me and (laughs) you know do little day trips from the city because it's pretty connected out here by train Um, you can get to Boston in a couple of hours you can get to DC in a few hours so um, I think most of New England I'm allowed to travel to right now Uh, so I'm looking at doing like a little getaway in a couple weeks, but we'll see (laughs) if if the travel is still allowed. Um, one of my friends recommended Cape Cod, so I'm looking into that. Okay. By train then? Or, um, I would probably fly there just because um, it's a little bit quicker.
0: Gotcha. Okay. So who would be one person that inspires you? Oh goodness. Um, it's different for different aspects of my life. Like
1: value wise, I would say my parents, um, because they just like instill really good values in me and I can notice that now, especially that I'm in New York, and like kind of compare and contrast like different people's upbringings. Um, you know, like career wise, there's a couple of people at work that I just really look up to that are so passionate about their job and you can just tell like in everything they do. Um, they're so good at it and it's because they have like the true love of it Not just you know going there to punch in and punch out. So um I wouldn't say there's one specific person I would just say like in different aspects of my life there's people that I draw
0: from. Love it. So you're um you're <laughs> like a combination of all of the values of the people that you have interacted with and that have made a difference in your life, right? Yeah.
1: You. Well, and they say that, you know, you're the combination of like the five people you spend the most time with. So, you know, choose wisely. <laughs>
0: right. <laughs> yes very true so all right well thank you Emily for joining um yeah I want you to know that we're all proud of you here and you're doing great and it's so good to see you kind of living out your dreams and your passions in New York City so thanks for catching up a little bit today it was nice
1: of course it was so fun glad we got to do this